0: Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Brandon, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And it's uh, it's a real pleasure and a real joy to have you here this morning. Can we just welcome everybody who's here for the first time uh, here to Slate Church? That's great. Now we're going to get everybody whose first time is to stand up and do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we usually do the chicken dance uh, when people come in. It's not a scary place here. Um, I kind of actually want to see that now. That would be, that'd be hilarious. Can you imagine a church just... <laughs> completely, uh, embarrass their guests. That would be, that's happened too many times. Okay. Um, it's good to see all of you though. And, um, you know, as I said, we were going to speak about Eros, the, uh, one of the loves in the four love series this morning, but today is Pentecost Sunday. And as such, I'm going to read for us out of Acts chapter two. I want to give us a bit of a, uh, a breakdown of where we find ourselves. God, uh, or Jesus has lived on, on, on earth, he has died, he is um, being resurrected. In in all of that, um, he has told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he says to them, he says, listen, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, uh, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And I'm going to hold my mic just a little bit closer, because I know you're probably adjusting. There we go. All right, I just don't want to uh, yell anybody's ears off. There we go. Okay, um, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist, John, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What an incredible promise, right? I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, his disciples just want to know about the end times. Like that's cool. Um, uh, but they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they're just like so distracted in this moment. And it's like a lot of us in church, even today. It's like, yeah, God, you you have the Holy Spirit, but like, hey, when's when's all this crazy stuff going to happen at the end of the world? And we get so distracted. And he just kind of brushes them off. He's like, listen, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set out by his own authority, but you will receive power. He brings it back. He's like, okay, guys, let's bring it back here. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, I'm going to read what uh, a passage that is typically read on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pentecost Sunday is, is an important day in the church because it is effectively the start of the church. It is the day that we can point back to that the church was started. And so in Acts chapter 2, what we have is the disciples, they're waiting... And it it goes on and it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they, meaning the disciples, were all together in one place. It was the 11 disciples plus another 109 people. There was 120 of them up in what is believed to be the closest estimate is the upper room in which they broke bread with Jesus before he died. It says, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language." Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Uh, I just openly admitted to the 9am that I don't even know what this next, I don't know how to pronounce it. And so some P word uh, and Pamphylia uh, and is it an encouragement to anybody that the pastor doesn't know how to say some of these words? Like, is there anybody else that you're reading through the scripture, you're like, man, I should know how to say this. And it's like, why? Uh, like, in some ways, like, these are, these are new words to all of us. I should have read in my KG, KJV uh, before I, I, I opened up the NIV. But anyway, Pamphylia, where they make pamphlets. That's such a stupid joke. I was <laughs> like not even. It's not even like on the even when it comes to dad jokes, that's like a bad. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. A little too proud of myself. And the reason I'm proud is cuz I was like I don't even know if I have the confidence to make that bad of a joke. And I did it. And uh Thanks. That, that was awesome. Okay. Egypt <laughs> Emma Don't laugh like that. It brought my confidence down a level. Okay. Okay. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. And uh, the reason we're going to talk about it is because it's uh, Pentecost Sunday. It, Pentecost Sunday is essentially 50 days after the Passover. Um, and 50 days after the Passover, the, the Jewish um, people, pilgrims from other nations would come in. And they would take their pilgrimage into the... the um, the city of Jerusalem, and uh, they would go there for a a bunch of celebrations, and it was 50 days. It also represented the year of Jubilee, a year for the Jewish people um, that occurred not every year, but every seven years where they would forgive debts, or every 50 years, rather, there was a a really big um, Jubilee celebration where they'd forgive debts, give back land, stuff like this, and so all of these um, Jewish people are pilgrimaging towards Jerusalem, and this is important uh, as we'll learn a little bit later. But uh, it's important to understand that God actually chooses a very, um, uh, a very important and a very specific date to have uh, this, this display of the Holy Spirit's power take place amongst his church. Um, I wasn't here uh, two weeks ago, and the reason for that is that I was in London. And I was, in, uh, <laughs> I was explaining this to some people. They're like, hey, can we get together? I'm like, "Sorry, I can't get together next week. I'm in London. They're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm like, I'm in London, England. And people kept uh, kept thinking I was in London, Ontario. And, and just for the record, I don't know why I would explain to you that I'm in London, Ontario. Nobody admits that. Uh, so when somebody says they're in London, they're likely not speaking about London, Ontario. It's like, it's like Brantford and, uh, I'm just kidding. Nate's from Brantford. Okay, um, so I'm in London, England. And the purpose of my trip there was uh, essentially to see a bunch of churches that have revitalized, which is essentially they were um, dying, and now they're coming back to life. There's, there's people, they're exploding at the seams. And, and uh, one of the interesting things that they all had in common is that they're all Anglican churches. So this morning, I'm, I'm announcing that we're becoming an Anglican church. Surprise. Um, but besides that, uh, I was there, and I was just seeing it, and, and I was astounded by the fact that the Holy Spirit was moving in incredible ways. The Holy Spirit was moving, and the Holy Spirit was, was doing some really cool things, and it's funny because I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and um, for visitors, that doesn't mean that this is a Pentecostal church. This is a, people from a variety uh, of, of Christian backgrounds here this morning. But uh, I came from a Pentecostal church, and these Anglicans were way more Pentecostal than, than my church was growing up. Like, they were, like, speaking in tongues. They were, like, prophesying. They were, like, praying. Like, I've never seen people pray. And God was doing great things in these churches. We visited three different churches, and the second church that I visited was a church called St. Church in Hackney. And uh, Hackney is an area of London um, that, that I think... I think the read I got was that it wanted to be London a little bit like Milton, like Milton wants to be Toronto, and uh, Drake won't have any of that. And so uh, Ed Sheeran's like Hackney, no, you're not London. And so London uh, or, or Hackney in London, it's like a it's a it's a it's It's a place that's that's gone through some regeneration, but it also has a lot of crime, a lot of theft, and a lot of different things going on. Well, the church that we were visiting, the pastor in the group that was there and and was uh, seeing revitalization take place there and everything else I had arrived on the scene five years prior and they inherited a building that was a thousand years old now imagine a, a thousand year old building i mean some good lessons for Pastors in thousand year, year old buildings. The third church they went to, and this is a rabbit trail, but I think it's important for our uh, for me to just mention. Um, the third church that we went to, they were also in a thousand year old building, and they they were asking like any any um uh, advice for pastors. And he said uh, he started by saying this. He's like, "Well, this building has been here for a thousand years. There's been at least a hundred pastors that have come before me. Uh, some of those pastors are buried right in the floor in which you're standing." Uh, and there's probably going to be another hundred pastors after me. And so I'm just called to be obedient to God. What a sobering thought, even for our moment. Like in the West, we feel like everything is new. Everything is us. It's got to be done in our lifetime. We got to do it right now. And if it wasn't done yesterday, then we're falling behind. And this pastor's just like, you know what? God has been moving here for a thousand years. He's going to move here until he comes again, and I just have to be obedient. What a great perspective. So Second Church, it's called, a church called Saint Church, he's looking at the building, he's like, it's falling apart, and uh, like, literally, it's, it's falling apart, structural things need to be done, and all the rest. And as all of this is, uh, as he's looking at all of it, he's going, what can I do to bring rejuvenation to this place? And one of the things he thought is, we've got to get this building in good repair. And so he um, identifies that there is a UK designer from around that area that, uh, that, that, that was, was born and kind of raised in that area. And he says, I wonder if she would come and design our building. So he takes her name and I forget her name. And, uh, so I'll just make it up. It's, uh, her name for uh, our purposes, Esther. And so, uh, last, last service, it was Liz. I thought Esther is more, uh, more appropriate for this service. And so Esther, uh, he, he messages her and he sends out all these different emails. He goes, Esther at design.uk. Uh, uh, design at esther dot uk uh, esther at and he just keeps emailing all of these different variations of emails and as he's doing this uh, about the 10th email he sends out after trying he receives an email back and it's esther and she goes i don't know how you got my email but i'd be glad to meet up with you and he's like i don't know how i got it either this is amazing so she meets up with him and she walks through the space and she goes well this is really cool like i've never designed a church before i'd i'd be glad to help you with it and he's like ecstatic. He's like, what in the world? Like, this is, this is like God miracle. This is amazing. This is the same woman, just for perspective, this past year designed the halftime show for the Super Bowl. So it's, we're not talking about like a small town designer. Like, this, is, this woman is designing on the world scale. She designs all of Beyonce's stage sets and all the rest. And so she's like, I would love to design your church. And he's like, this is amazing. And the next thought that comes to him is, how in the world am I going to pay for this? And so she, he goes, like, this is great, but, like, I forgot to tell you we don't have any money. And she goes, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And so she's, like, I'm also going to involve the top UK architect. And so he gets involved and he's like, listen, I just want to remind you that we don't have any money. And they're like, don't worry, the money will come. And he's like, how is it that this designer and this architect have more faith than the pastor of this church? He's like, I don't know where this is coming from because all of the renovations and the purchase of the property and everything totaled 19 million pounds by the time everything was all said and done. Like this isn't, but keep in mind, it's been there for a thousand years. That amortized over a thousand years into the future, that's that's a pretty good deal. Um, but anyway, so they're, they're, they're working on this and all the rest. And one of the exhibits or the art installations that she put in, she said, hey, can I just take the chapel and I'm going to make it my own? And so what she did is she put this and we got to walk into the space. It was, it was really cool. They had this LED screen on the floor. There's an LED screen on the uh, ceiling and they pumped all of this haze into this room. And so there's this beam of light, this column of light that you could walk through. And what she's done is she has different images that that um, uh, uh, rotate on the floor and on the ceiling. The one that was there the day that we were visiting was an image of the sky of the top girls' school, private girls' school in London. And this top girls' private school, this is where Princess Diana went. This is where the future, like some of the most powerful women in the world are growing up. In 15 years' time, the girls that were walking by my hotel at this private girls' school are the girls women that are going to do incredible things in our world in just a short amount of time. So she took a picture of the the top school in in the UK. And then she went to an orphanage. And the school in an orphanage, um, I, I think it was in Ethiopia, and she took a picture of the sky above this orphanage and the school um, attached to the orphanage and took a picture of that and put it above them. And she said to him, she said, now whenever anybody walks through this column of light, they'll be reminded of the church's responsibility to stand between the, the world's greatest, um, the greatest riches and the world's greatest need. And again, the pastor is like, do you want to just like pastor this church? Because like you seem to be doing a much better job with faith and like messaging and, and all the rest. Fascinating. But one of the things that I found fascinating is that I was ready to come home and tell all of my friends and family and Emma about the story of this church and what they were doing and the design. And I should have brought some pictures. And yet, I started to immediately forget about the more important thing. In fact, for those of us in the service right now the temptation would be for you to walk out of the service and be like that's a crazy story that the woman that designed the halftime show designed this church and in the next super bowl you're probably going to think like hey that's cool that the person that does this designed a church and you're going to be tempted to remember the very surface level thing and forget that in the UK right now in thousand year old churches anglican churches god is doing a new thing We are obsessed in the West with the new, with the flashy, with the great, with the supernatural, well, not not just the supernatural, but the super uh, extraordinary things. And yet what we need to become obsessed with as a church in the West is the Holy Spirit. What we see here in the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. It's not a flashy start. I mean, the church and, and the building that they believe it was done in is a magnificent kind of place. It's kind of like a really interesting thing. But I find that it's interesting. We don't get a description of the place they found themselves in. It wasn't this deep description of the walls and the ornicate designs and all of that. But what we get a description of is what happened within that space. And what happened within that space is something that would change the world forever. There's this term that the Celtic Christians use. It's, it's, It's called... Uh, the term, terminology is thin spaces. And thin spaces are used to describe places in the world where it just feels like the space between heaven and earth is thin. And so in the Lord's Prayer, we say, our Father who art in heaven, you can repeat it with me if you want, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And do you notice that the the prayer for us as a church is not to try to get earth up into heaven and to just leave all of these sinners alone, but it's actually for heaven to come to earth, that there might be an expression of heaven on earth as we live so that those people that we find ourselves amongst might know who this person that we have so much hope in, who he truly is. The prayer is for heaven, that we would experience part of heaven here on earth. Well, this idea of thin spaces coined by the Celtic Christians is a way to describe these areas in our lives where it just feels like heaven is so close. If you've ever been at the, the bedside table of a child being born, like, like, like that's, a, that's a thin space. Moments in worship where all of a sudden you're just like, man, it just feels like otherworldly in this room right now. That's, that's a thin space. And we have these thin spaces that we experience all of the time. And in fact, we see them pop up all throughout Scripture. Moses and the burning bush. Moses was a man that was tasked with the challenge of of leading the Israelite nation out of slavery and captivity under the hand of an oppressive Egyptian empire. And so uh, Moses is tasked with this, and the way in which he is tasked with it is there is this bush that is caught on fire, and uh, this bush catches on fire, and and it's not burning up, but Moses comes in, and, and he hears the voice of God, a thin space. Moses, once again, as he's leading the people out of Egypt and he finds himself up on the mountaintop where he's given the Ten Commandments and fire comes down, once again a thin space. As they lead out and and they start to build the temple and the tabernacle, it says that a pillar of fire would fall over this and there would be once again a thin space where the presence of God was so close to humanity. You see, in the world today, a lot of us are looking for a variety of different experiences. Some of us are adrenaline junkies. Some of us just can't get rid of that sugar kick at the end of the night when we're sitting down and we promise that last week would be the last week. And there's all these things that we, we try to get that are fixes. And yet what we're actually looking for is thin spaces, transcendent places where we can experience whoever is out there. And in Christianity, we believe that he who is out there is God, the creator of the universe, Jesus who put flesh on. This is who we are in search of. And what we find in Acts chapter 2 is another thin space, a space where all of a sudden God's presence not only came so close to the people, but actually filled the people that were in the room. And similarly to the way in which God showed up to Moses, they said it looked like tongues of fire resting on each person. Now, you're probably wondering, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, if you brought somebody, you're like, oh, no. This is the wrong service. <laughs> We're going to start talking about uh, speaking in tongues. Heck, by the end of this service, we might be Pentecostal, uh, which would be awesome. All the Pentecostals said Something. Some of the Pentecostals didn't even, like, say anything. They just started rolling around. They're like, is there a chandelier I could swing off of? I can say these things because I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I'll make another joke for the Reformed people later about not even acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Um, (laughs) That's because I went to a Reformed college. I can do that, that sort of thing. What I want to get into is the fact that right now in the church, what we don't need more of is we don't need better bands. We don't need better people smiling at our doors. We don't need more comfortable seats. Some of you are doing a good enough job falling asleep in them with the comfort level they're at right now. We don't need better communicators. We don't need better money counters. We don't need better media operators. You can't get better than Brian. What we need is a move of the Holy Spirit to animate our churches today. What we need is for God to be the one leading his church and not for people that think they're good at leading to be the ones leading the church. We need people that are attentive to the Holy Spirit, people that are close to the voice of God, people that are willing to sit in that thin space, which is the Holy Spirit's presence, and allow the fire of God to refine them so that we might move into the future in a way in which God is actually directing us. This is what the church needs more of. And you know, I I never understood a woman in telling birth stories, you know, it would be... uh, It'd be my birthday. My birthday is April 22nd, if everybody wants to put it in their calendar. And um, uh, I don't know why you would do that. Um, Please don't. That would actually freak me out. But it'd be April 22nd, and, you know, it never failed. All of a sudden, we'd be at a family dinner, and my mom would be sitting there with my aunt, my grandmother, and she's like, I remember 20 years ago. It was 3 p.m. on April 21st, and those contractions started. And I'm like 20-year-old, like, please Oh, Mom, like, no, don't do this. And she's like, and I, I have held it against him that it was until 3 a.m. the next morning Then all of a sudden it was that great big push. And I, she is, Mom, you're going to be watching this literally next week in Coburg, so please don't judge me. But, um, but like, and I just remember being like, oh, Mom, no, please don't. And yet it's funny because as soon as you have your own kid, you get like that. It's like all of a sudden it's Kenzie's birthday and I'm like hanging out with the guys. And I'm like, guys, I got to tell you a crazy story. And they're like, please don't. Like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, because it's so magical. Birth stories are magical. And I'm like, it's not my birth story. I'm like telling Emma's birth story, right? Like like we weren't pregnant. She was pregnant and she got to do all that. And like, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful moment. You see, what we see in Genesis chapter 1 is the birth of the world. It's like it's this creation story. And what we see in Matthew chapter one and two and the beginning of each of the gospels is the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and so we see the era of the Father and the era of the Son. And of course, they're all still working amongst each of these eras. But then what we see in Acts chapter two is the birth of the church. And the reason why on Pentecost Sunday, we listen and, and we take in the story and we reflect upon it is because the birth of the church tells us a little something about what sustains our life as a church even now. See, what happened in Acts chapter 2 is, 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 a, is an incredible precursor to what God would continue to do. In fact, Acts, Acts chapter 2 is just the beginning of an entire book of the Bible where we have examples of the Holy Spirit moving time again, time again, and time again where the Holy Spirit moves and miraculous things happen. So why is it that some of us are so afraid of the church's birth story? <laughs> if you're in the last service, you'll know that just a disgusting thing happened with the back of my throat, and I'm not going to do it again. So why is it that some of us are so so tentative with the church's birth story? And what I mean is this, is that when we read through this, a lot of us start to get nervous That tongues are mentioned, and we start going like, oh, like, is it going to be one of those messages? Is that this kind of church? Are we going to literally start hanging on chandeliers? Like, what what is this going to look like? And for some of us, we get nervous because we just haven't experienced that type of power in our lives, and we feel like maybe we're missing something. See, here's the thing, and this is a question that I want to ask all of us. The question is this. If every Christian, like, let's just say every Christian were kind of um, uniformed and uh, the faith in which they exuded was the faith that you have and the faith that you live out in your life, what would the state of the church look like? And that's like a convicting question, because for me, it would mean that the church wouldn't always be believing that God is able to work miracles. It would mean that the church would sometimes uh, struggle to have faith that God is able to do big things. It would mean that the church would often doubt and, and, and take the wrong road and it mean a lot of different things what would the church look like if the church capital c church all took on the faith that you have now now pause with that question for a second because when we read the start of the whole uh, we start read the start of the beginning of the church what we see is that the holy spirit moves it says that all of a sudden there's a sound like a blow the, the blowing of a violent wind it came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, without getting into what the other tongues were, what we see is that the people that were present started saying, they started declaring that, that they could hear the wonders of God in their own tongues. Instead, amazed and perplexed, they asked one, one another, what does this mean? See, for a lot of us, as we think about our walk with God and we start to think about whether or not the world would look better or worse if our faith was copy and pasted, what we often are filled up with is a sense of guilt and a sense of shame about where our walk with God is, and we start to reflect on some of the things that wouldn't be happening. How much evangelism wouldn't be happening in the world if the whole world evangelized like you? What kind of serving wouldn't happen if the world was serving, Christians were serving the world in the way in which you serve the world? And we take all of this upon ourselves, and it makes us feel less, and it, and, it, and it makes us feel like we're just not doing a good job. And here's the thing many of us are probably failing at the things that we think we should be doing. But what we see is that a commandment from Jesus in Acts chapter 1 to go take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth is answered by God Himself. And what I mean by this is He says, Hey, start in Jerusalem. Then go to Judea, then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you were able to see this, what you would see is Jerusalem is in the middle. Then you have Judea surrounding it, Samaria on the outside of it, and the ends of the earth. What Jesus is saying is, start in Jerusalem, take this message to the ends of the earth. And what we actually see in Acts chapter 2 is that the ends of the earth are actually coming to Jerusalem. God is already starting, starting to act upon his great commission without their, them even moving afoot. Without them even stepping outside of that building, what we see is that the church is now speaking the good news of Jesus to people without even using tongues that they know about to speak to those around them. What we see is that if the church looks like us in our own efforts, we will fail. But if the church can look like the Holy Spirit's power coursing through us, the church is in good hands. And so when I ask that question, a better question is, are you allowing the Spirit to move through you? And the unfortunate thing is that as we read as some were outside of the church, looking inside the church and saying they've had too much wine, is that we don't always just see that outside of the church. We often see that happening within the church. Those that are wanting to see God's spirit move in them in, in, in great ways are often the ones that we point at and we're like, what's wrong with them? those that are seeking God's spirit and wanting to see and have a hunger for something more, we go, man, they just gotta cool it a little bit. Or sometimes we can be critical of somebody falling to their knees in worship on a platform and go, really, they're just doing it for themselves? They want the glory? And yet what we see is that those that, that rest and wait upon God are filled with the Holy Spirit, but those that are, are, are ignorant or critical miss out on what God is trying to do. And what I want to suggest today is that the world needs more of us to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our world today. The world doesn't need a church that is animated by the strength of the people that attend it. The world needs a church that is animated by the Holy Spirit's strength coursing through our veins and enabling us to do things that we can't do in our own strength. But a lot of us, what we'll do is we'll actually sit back, right? We'll sit back and we'll, we'll look at... Somebody, or we'll look at the strengths that we have and maybe we have a gift of evangelism. And what will happen with that gift of evangelism is we'll often uh, look at those around us that aren't evangelizing to the level that we think they should evangelize and we start criticizing them. And if the church would just evangelize more, we'd be in a better place. Or maybe there's some of us where just serving the world around us is quite natural. And we'll look at those around us that aren't serving people the way that we would like to serve them. We go, I mean, if they would just serve the world around us the way that I serve, the church, and we don't say this audibly, it's a critical spirit that lives inside of us, the church would be different. And you know, what we see through the Holy Spirit is that it's not really us giving the strength or doing the work in and of ourselves. It's actually by the Holy Spirit's power that we do anything at all. So all of this happens. They say, have they had too much wine? Peter answers them. He describes the whole gospel story about Jesus dying on a cross for them, paying a price that they couldn't pay for themselves. And he describes that they could have the same gift themselves. He says, you're the ones that put them to death, but you could receive this today. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The question I wanna ask this morning is shouldn't there be a difference between those in our world without the Holy Spirit and those with the Holy Spirit. And and I didn't say this to the 9 a.m., and it's not that it wasn't for them, but I didn't get to this part of my notes because I stuck on a couple of other things a little bit longer. But we're so concerned about the gospel being relevant in our world today. And one of the things that happened throughout the pandemic is that even for someone like myself, I would say that for myself, one of the things that I don't really struggle with is sharing my faith with people. That's something that comes a little bit more naturally. But from those initial lockdowns, it's amazing what it'll do to a spiritual gift or even just to your soul, when all of a sudden you feel that like, oh, I should share, you know, I should I should share the story of Jesus with this person, or I should share the good news with this person, or I should do this, or I should. And it's like all of a sudden, for somebody that's naturally like kind of okay with doing that and and I, I struggle in other areas but kind of I like doing that all of a sudden it was like you know if I felt that God's saying you know you should you should speak to this person it was like ah sorry right. Dougie told me to stay inside and man what, what that's been doing to the church is we all just go yeah we're supposed to stay inside though right and then what are we doing inside We were all opening up our phones and spending hours with 1,500 of our closest friends seeing what they were doing inside their four walls and wanting to share the best of what was happening within our four walls. And man, like how much of the Holy Spirit was moving in those moments? How much of it was just exuding out of us because of what God was doing in those moments? And what we've seen out of the church over the last little while, and one of the things that concerns me is I feel like as a church, we've kind of fallen asleep on our neighbors and and our friends and our family, those that that don't know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came. He paid a price on a cross. It could have been another form of death, but he just, he paid the penalty for sin. So that we could be brought back into relationship with who? The creator of the universe. <laughs> our, our heavenly father, like, like the relationship, the transcendence everybody is looking for. And sometimes they've they, think they found it and we think we found it through 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 substances or through relationships or 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 through some other means but but the thing that that we're looking for not a transcendence that's here and then gone because it's a fleeting moment but a transcendence that 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 goes with us everywhere we go the good news of Jesus Christ the one thing that's kind of happened over the last little while is the church has fallen asleep on the people that need it most (laughs) including ourselves And what the story of Pentecost reminds us is that God is into moving in his church. That God is into equipping his church. That God is into empowering his church to do all that he has called them to do. And it's not about somebody evangelizing more or about somebody serving more or somebody feeling guilty that they're not doing enough for the church or not doing enough as a person or not doing enough in general. It's about receiving the power that comes through the Holy Spirit that we might actually go out and reach a world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes and he comforts us. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to witness to the world that we live in. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to put to death sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us a spirit of adoption. So you don't have to feel like you're just wandering this earth, but you can know in your spirit, in your heart of hearts, that you are a son or daughter of the Most High King. The Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. The Holy Spirit comes to bring life and freedom. The Holy Spirit comes to abound with hope. The Holy Spirit comes to give us the fruit of the Spirit. And it begs the question sometimes, shouldn't there be a difference between the person with the Holy Spirit and the one without? See, I really believe that the best days for the church are still ahead of us. Who's with me? Amen? Are you living in the same world that I'm living in where people say, God is dead, the best days of the church are behind us, we're seeing more churches, church properties sold than churches started, we're seeing more pastors even fail out of ministry than are joining ministry right now. We're seeing all of these things happening and, and I can't help but think that God is getting the remnant, those that are left over, ready for the next thing he wants to do. I can't help but feel that in, a, in an academic setting where we literally call this era a post-Christian era that God wants to do something new and see us actually walk into a pre-Christian era. I, 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 can't, I can't help but think that God has something new for our families and for us as individuals. And then he has something more for Christians than just to get to the end of the night and think about all the things we felt like we should have done that we didn't do. Or think about the things that we did that we shouldn't have done. But I really believe that God is wanting to do something where his spirit empowers us to a new level in our faith and our understanding of who God is. And so that even the most menial task in our lives takes on meaning because we're not doing it alone, but we're doing it through the Holy Spirit's power. See, I don't think that we need to wake up and and feel like, Like like the best is still behind us. I don't feel like some of us need to think that the best years of our faith are 10 years or or three decades behind us. But I really think that God is saying, listen, if you wait upon my Holy Spirit in the way in which I commanded the early church to, that I will do a new thing. And it might cause some of the people around you to go, is that person drunk? And yet it's just the joy of the Spirit overflowing in your life as you, re- as you receive and surrender to what God wants to do in your life. See, Pentecost Sunday matters because it reminds us that before Pentecost Sunday, the church was essentially neutered. <laughs> they were hiding behind walls waiting to see what would happen after their Savior was crucified. But post-Pentecost, pentecostal sunday what we see is a church that emerges as bold a church that emerges as, as powerful a church that emerges filled with the gifts of the spirit serving and evangelizing and speaking and being all that god has called them to be and the future church here in canada will be no different than the early church and that if we want to see a move of god we have to rely on the holy spirit's power anything other will, resi- will result in a work's righteousness that will leave us feeling burnt out, shame-filled, and full of pressure to do things that we were never meant to do in our own strength. Can we stand up in this place? Now, the good news is that as a church, we're not just gonna talk about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, And we do talk about it, but let's not be the church or a church that walks into a space like this and just expects to go through the the motions and the emotions every single Sunday. But let's believe that God is up to something bigger. See, just as he did it within scripture, I want to pray, God, would you do it again? God, would you move amongst your people again? Would you fill us afresh again? And we might be wondering, well, how in the world does the Spirit move? We might not think we're equipped. We might not think we have enough knowledge. And the encouragement to us today is that the early church had way less knowledge about who the Holy Spirit was than we do. (laughs) Read scripture. Like the amount of time Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit before he ascended into heaven pales into comparison with our understanding of what the Holy Spirit was all about after the Holy Spirit came on the earth we have story after story and and word after word about what the Holy Spirit did and so if you're not sure how do I engage with the Holy Spirit do what Jesus said wait upon the Holy Spirit can we all just close our eyes in this place as we just we're about to close in the next 10 minutes here and You know, over the last little while, you, you know, I've been quite studious behind the pulpit. <laughs> I've been teaching and I've been reserved and I'm having to try to draw my voice back in this moment. But, but there's something in me that just says, hey, like if we, want to, if we want to see God do a new thing in this region, if we want to see God do a new thing in our church, if we want to, God, to, to see God do a new thing in our families, we must wait upon the Holy Spirit. And not just in this moment, but coming out of this moment so we're about to sing and I just want to ask you wherever you find yourself as we get ready to worship maybe it's been that you've been trying to do this all in your own strength or maybe it's just been walking and maybe there's a dry sense in your spirit that you just haven't been maybe for you you would describe it as just not having an excitement about faith whatever it might be today and this morning is a morning where we can receive the Holy Spirit We can understand that he's already in the room. We just have to invite him in. We have to allow him to move in our lives. So wherever you find yourself, you're just going, you know what? I need more of the Spirit's power in my life. I need to stop trying to do this faith thing on my own. I've got to stop quenching the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and just going, I need the Holy Spirit to move in my life. If that's you, can you just raise a hand as we begin to worship? Yeah, all across this place. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. you hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a Connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.